to our parish praise service for the last Sunday after Trinity. For me, this is the first time back in church and it is such a joy. And it's lovely to have so many of you with us in person. But we also welcome all those who are listening to the podcast or watching the video. As most of you know, my name is Sarah and I'm a lay worship assistant in this parish. And you can follow our service on the service sheet, which can be downloaded from the website www.windsandchurches.org.uk. And as you can see, we have a choir again. But sadly, the congregation is not allowed to join us. But if you're at home, you can sing along. So now, let's take a moment of quiet before our service begins. <laughs> the Lord be with you. And, and also with you. you. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let, Let us, us rejoice, rejoice and, and be glad, glad in it. And now the choir are going to sing hymn number 496. Lead us, Heavenly Father, lead us. And you can follow the words in the book, but please, no singing. hurt 
confusion is made. Things that we know have let us down in the eyes of God. O Lord of life, eternity, eternity cannot, cannot hold you, nor can our little words catch the magnificence of your kindness. Yet in the space of our small hearts and in silence, you can come close and repair us. O Lord of life, grant us your forgiveness for our careless thoughts, for our false deeds, for our empty speech, and the words which wickedly wounded. And may God forgive us, Christ renew us, and the Spirit enable us to grow in love. Amen. And now the collect for this, the last Sunday of Trinity. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, help us so to hear them, to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that through patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and forever hold fast the hope of everlasting life which you have given us in our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And the second prayer. Merciful God, teach us to be faithful in the change and uncertainty, that trusting in your word and obeying your will, we may enter the unfailing joy of Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Now please do sit as Hugh reads to us from the Old Testament. The lesson is taken from Deuteronomy, chapter 34. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him the whole land, Gilead as far as Dan, all at Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negev and the plain, that is, the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zoar. The Lord said to him, This is the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over Then Moses the servant of the Lord died there in the land of Moab at the Lord's command. He was buried in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows his burial place 
to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His sight was unimpaired and his vigour had not abated. The Israelites wept for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days. Then the period of mourning for Moses was ended. Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him and the Israelites obeyed him, doing as the Lord had commanded Moses. Never since has there arisen a prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. He was unequalled for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and his entire land and for all the mighty deeds and all the terrifying displays of power that Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Thank you, Hugh. The choir are now going to sing the second hymn, which is hymn number 515, Lord, thy word abideth.
words on my lips be acceptable unto God. Amen. Amen. Well, here we are at the final reading of the God of our story this season. We've been following this theme throughout the period of Trinity, which began in the middle of June, and what a long time that seems. It all began, all those weeks ago, with God making Abraham and Sarah what seemed an impossible promise, that even though she was old, well past childbearing years, she would have a son. What a start to the story. And throughout the past four months, we've learned so much about Sarah and Abraham, Isaac and Rebecca, Esau and Jacob, the well-known story of Joseph, and then Moses, as a tiny baby hidden in the rushes from the wrath of the Egyptian king, meeting with God at the burning bush and given the task of leading the Israelites out of Egypt, of his establishing the festival of the Passover, being given the Ten Commandments, and when the Israelites set up false idols, he successfully pleaded with God to forgive and save these people. And then finally, last week, Moses beseeching God to reassure him that he had done the right thing, bringing them all out of slavery to find the promised land. And God did so by showing himself to Moses, but he didn't show his face. And now, here we are today, at the end of Moses' story. The 40 years of wandering are about to be over. And the people of Israel are poised to enter the promised land. God had forbidden Moses to lead the people into this new land, but he takes him to a hilltop and shows him this land that had been promised to Abraham and his descendants back in Genesis. The promised land, stretching from Dan in the north to the sea in the west, to Zor in the south. And in verse 4, God affirms that this is the land that he had sworn to give to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Moses, whom we are assured had unimpaired sight and was still a vigorous man despite being 120, has been obedient and has had faith for so long that he must have been profoundly thankful to have his hopes and convictions confirmed by what he saw. Then God abruptly reminds Moses that he can only look. He will not live to see his people occupy this sweep of land. And Moses dies. Having climbed to a vantage point on Mount Pisgah, he views the land of promise, but he never enters it. And the Israelites never see him again. 
and the circumstances of his death and his burial remain shrouded in mystery. We're told that no one knew where Moses was buried. He just disappeared. And the Israelites wept and mourned him for 30 days, which was far longer than the traditional period of seven days, an indication of their love and gratitude and respect for Moses. And when the mourning period was over, the people resumed their normal lives with Joshua as their leader. But Joshua was already an established authority among the Israelites who knew him to be full of the spirit of wisdom. Wisdom that came from God. He had served as an assistant to Moses. And we're told that it wasn't the people who chose him as the successor. It was God, who had commanded Moses to lay his hand on him and commission him for the task. And because they knew that Joshua had been chosen by God through Moses, the Israelites obeyed him. The final verses of Deuteronomy tell us that Moses was the greatest prophet, unequalled for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to perform. Which is why Moses is mentioned more often than any other prophet in the New Testament, and why the New Testament writers often compare Jesus' words and deeds with Moses to help explain Jesus' mission. So what do we draw from our weeks of following the God of our story? Apart from the fact that I, for one, have learned so much about the Old Testament, I personally found the following insights, and no doubt you will all have others. Firstly, I find, this narrative illustrates that we have to trust in God and cannot always know what is best for us, but he does. Abraham, being prepared to sacrifice his beloved son, had us wondering about a God who is supposed to be the God of love, not a God who demands the ultimate sacrifice of a parent. But as Andrew commented, Although Abraham was faced with an impossible moral choice to either deny God's justice and sovereignty or to sacrifice his only son, God acted as he always will. And just when we think we're facing an impossible dilemma, he provides a way ahead. Secondly, I think it shows us that God has the long view. And also, that sometimes that long view comes about because of us. Humankind has the gift of free will, and we often choose the wrong path. And God has to wait while we find our way back again. But his patience with us is boundless, 
and he is prepared to wait for us. And equally, we have to be patient and accept that God might want us to wait for him. But we must never think that God has forsaken us. It's just that we can't know what he has in store for us. Thirdly, the God of our story endlessly gives us another chance. He accepts our frailty and wants us to have another try at whatever he has planned for us. Always, the God of our story is a compassionate God who wants reconciliation and restoration, such as when Jacob feared Esau taking revenge, yet they were able to put the past behind them and work together. Fourthly, we should recognise that our gifts and strengths come from God. God gives us our gifts, and in return, we have to serve him and humankind. But we may not always see the results. Just as Moses spent 40 long years leading his people out of Egypt, yet himself was not able to enter the promised land, so we must accept that we have work to do in the present, which may not show results until long after we're gone. And finally, what I have drawn out of all this is that we must recognise that it is God who empowers us and enables us to be the people we are. Without him, we shall fall at every hurdle, and we can do very little. And just as in the old party game of trust, where in pairs one has to fall backwards into the arms of another, we have to trust God, allow ourselves to fall, and to know that he will catch us. And that's not always easy. Amen. And now, if you are able, let us stand and declare our faith in God. We believe in God the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. We believe in God the Son, who lives in our hearts through faith in him, and fills us with his love. We believe in God the Holy Spirit, who strengthens us with power and time. We believe in God, Father, Son, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. And now let us sit while Paul leads us in our time of prayer. Be still, for the presence of the Lord, the Holy One, is here. Risen Lord, we pray for the congregations of Sanford, Churchill and Winscombe. Give them encouragement and hope for the future. We pray for Andrew and his family. May their new home be filled with laughter and love. 
We pray for the ministry team and all those nurturing the new shoots. Inspire us, like Moses, to follow you with a fresh zeal, to serve you and bring others to know of your love. Risen Lord, we pray for peace in this broken world, for the easing of conflicts and tensions between and within countries. May those who bear responsibility and authority in government throughout the world act with tolerance, justice and mercy. We pray that the COVID pandemic will soon be contained and those unwell and isolated be given assurance and hope. Risen Lord, we pray for our families and friends and for all those we love but cannot live at present. We pray particularly for children who grow up without love, those in broken homes, those who are abused. Give them courage, love and hope in their lives. Risen Lord, we pray for all those we know who are unwell. Uphold their faith that they may trust and not be afraid. Give them the comfort and strength of your love. Risen Lord, put your loving arms around those who mourn. We give thanks for the lives of those who have recently died and those who we have loved but see no longer. Risen Lord, you come so that we might have life and hope. Grant us power in your love strength in our humility, purity in our zeal, kindness in our laughter, and your presence in our hearts. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Saviour Jesus Christ. Christ. Amen. And we conclude our prayers with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now I think we should share the piece, and if I can remember to do it, I shall try and do it how Andrew does to you, and then we'll all turn and do it to each other. So I think we stand for the peace, don't we? May the peace of our Lord be with you all. May the peace of our Lord be with you all. And we are now going to sing, the choir are now going to sing the final hymn. And after that, Beth will be giving us some church news. And our final hymn is number 558.
breakfast and items of church news. Um, Sarah and the Children's Society Committee have asked me to say that following the counting from the boxes this week, an amazing sum of money has been raised for the Children's Society. Over £2,600, which is astonishing. And I believe there's still money coming in. I think it shows that in the midst of all the troubles that we have, that we can think of children, as Paul prayed so eloquently, for those children who are abused, who don't have people to love them. And you have certainly opened your heart, so I think that's tremendous. Um, please, on a practical note, if your box is on the table over there, would you take it as you go out? Also, there are still some copies of the Pilgrim Beatitudes booklets, I think, there, if you would like them. They cost three pounds. Now, um, a couple of things more sad. Um, Jeff Luckett and John Wilson, two very, very dearly loved members of our church and our village community, had their funerals and services this week. There are um, service booklets that came from both services on the table as you go out. If you would like to take one, please do. Um, both services um, I was privileged to go to and uh, were fitting tributes to those remarkable men. So the family have said there will be memorial services when they're allowed. Now two people I would like you to pray for this week, please. Jeff Norton, who on Wednesday, I believe, is going to have his cataracts done in the eye hospital on Wednesday. It's not his heart operation, which I know a few of us are praying for and hoping for, but please would you remember Jeff on Wednesday? as he goes in, that it's successful and trouble-free. And also some sad news, Joan Minnett, who, again, was a tremendously loved and faithful member of our church community, unfortunately, sorry, I'm quite emotional about this, contracted COVID, and is in Western Hospital, and is very close to death. Um, we've been asked particularly to pray for her, as she nears the end of her life. Uh, she was a wonderful lady, a much, much loved member of, of Silver House and of, of this community and village. Um, I think we can probably all picture her. So please, we pray that the Lord is close to her as she comes towards her end and that she has a peaceful end. Thank you. Thank you, Beth. My memory of Joan Minnett is cleaning the church with her. And well into her 80s, she would help me. Well, she would do more than helping. She was doing her bit, cleaning the church, and she always brought a thermos of coffee, which was great. Um, let's stand now and say the grace together. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, now and always. Amen. And thank you for joining us today, and a special thank you to all those involved in the recording of this service, and to Robert and the choir for leading our singing. And please may I remind you, no chatting in church. You can talk outside, but you've got to do your social distancing. And thank you all for attending.